0: Welcome to the High Speed Podcast, the official podcast of the High Speed Alliance, taking you further, faster, together. We are setting our course for freedom and legacy through mastery of business, finance, family, and lifestyle. Welcome to the High Speed Podcast. This is your host, Forrest Bryant, and we've got a great show lined up for you today. I'm very excited to have Richard Wilson on the call today. He is the the head, the CEO, the mastermind behind the Family Office Club, and he works with fa- uh, family offices and wealthy, high net worth, ultra high net worth individuals and families all over the world. And uh, it's just a, it's a big honor to have him on the show today. Uh, if you're listening today, you know what we're, what we're all about. We're trying to help our, our clients and our listeners create freedom and legacy in their life by mastering their business, their finances, their family, and their lifestyle. And so uh, excited to have Richard on today. Richard, how are you? Great. Nice to uh, catch up with you again, Forrest. Absolutely. Well, uh, uh, I, I didn't ask you this earlier before we started the recording, but you are a world traveler. Um, are you at home right now, or are you on the road? No,
1: thank God I'm home. You know, I live in uh on an island here outside of Miami and everywhere in South Florida is crazy steamy and hot in the summer. So I just got done with a bunch of travel and now I'm glad to
0: be home. Well, good, good, good. Well, uh, uh, I know you were, you were always on the road and, and, uh, with your, with your company, you're visiting with families around the world and you also have a very ambitious speaking schedule, uh, with your company and, and speaking with, 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 with other businesses and and family offices, Mm -hmm. but, um, uh, really, why don't you, uh, you know, introduce yourself a little bit to our listeners? Tell them a little bit about who Richard Wilson is and uh, a little little back, background on your on your company.
1: Sure, uh, we'll do the short version, and you can ask me something that you think listeners might want to hear more about. But essentially, for eleven years, um, I founded and I've been running the Family Office Club, we're basically a platform that is making the family office industry more efficient. And for those of you new to that term. It's basically that those who are ultra wealthy and are at 10, 20 million, a lot of my clients are 50 million, 100 million plus, um, and a lot of our members are, those people have a different level of needs because little mistakes can add up to a lot of real dollars. Uh, so things need to be managed a bit more holistically and 360 degree and they care even more about tax efficiency and legacy and things that I'm sure we'll be talking about, you know, here on the podcast today. And so the Family Office Club, we host 20 events a year. Um, and on the investor side, we help people start their single family offices, help put more holistic solutions in place to manage their wealth and reduce chaos and get better solution providers in place, better direct investment deal flow. Uh, and then on the capital raiser side, those who are looking for capital and raising capital, we have an investor relations tool set that's available and they can network with investors at our events. And there's a lot of interaction at our events, as, as you have seen, Forrest, of um people with deal flow and then investors on stage saying what they want to invest in and we help both sides be more productive and by not only serving investors we get a lot of deal flow through the 5,000 people a year coming to our family office club investor summit but also to the people raising capital we're much more relevant in the advice we can give because i've not only raised capital myself but i'm under contract with over two dozen centimillionaires uh who are always dealing with different challenges of being ultra wealthy so being able to kind of translate between the two groups and connect them to each other is kind of what the family office club is all about.
0: Well, I, I love your model and I love what you're doing. And um, I've, I've, I've found myself and with, with, with High Speed Alliance, what, what we, we do, I think it is very much like what you do, but just on a smaller scale. So, you know, uh, as as you know, and, and our listeners know, um, you know, we're, we're typically working with dentists and, and uh, physicians and small business owners. And we're trying to bring them those types of investments that are available to family offices because, uh, you know let 's face it a, a lot of a lot of our clients don 't have uh, twenty million or fifty million, uh, but they 've got a substantial uh, savings and uh, th- that 's one thing that we uh, like to do is is to find those uh, really great investments that are are available to you know the higher net worth clients and and, and bring those down to a level where they can actually participate in and, and that 's uh, one thing that i 've appreciated very much about uh, your community and uh, dealing with you and uh, the the types of uh, Uh, family offices and providers that you're able to bring together. I think it's just phenomenal. And so uh, commend you for that. So, um, you know, one of the things that, that, and one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast, uh, you know, you work with uh, so many very wealthy families, but there's a lot of commonality. I mean, let's face it, uh, you know, uh, we're we're human beings and a a lot of the, uh, uh, a lot of the needs and desires and wants are similar, you know, whether, you know, you got yeah you know, one million five million ten million you know uh you know the desire is not a whole lot different than somebody that's got a hundred million or five hundred million um but the uh you know there there's a, a level of complexity when you get get to that level that that certainly uh, can't be underestimated but um in your opinion you know what what are what are those some some of those uh commonalities or similarities that 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 you would uh, expect to see uh between the two groups
1: some of the similarities when you look at someone who's worth $5 million versus someone who's worth $100 million, uh, like my newest client is $250 million net worth, uh, is that a lot of them got to where they've gotten. Their success has been based on their ability to focus on how they add strategic value to the world and really have a lot of their time being spent on that. And um, one of my mentors is Dan Sullivan. He has this concept called unique ability. I think that uh, whether people know it or not, they've created value in the world through a focus on that. And whether you're worth 100 million or 5 million, I think it's a way to continue to grow your net worth. And so, the more you can organize things around you to do that, I think that's one similarity. I also think that um, first generation wealth creators, whether they're worth 1 million or 200 million, uh, are very much, uh, almost in every case, in control of their destinies. They run their own operating businesses. Uh, they run at least some of their own real estate deals. Um, They might joint venture with others, but they're typically not becoming ultra wealthy through getting lucky off of giving their private banker all their money. And then the stock market did really well and now suddenly they're ultra wealthy. Like that's just not how the story went. We don't represent anyone who won the lottery. We uh, only have one or two families out of our 26 clients that have inherited a significant amount of wealth. And so, control and adding strategic value uh, that's deep in their DNA and I think that's consistent also with people who are successful at the high net worth or the mass affluent level it's, that's also something that I've seen very much in common.
0: Yeah no I, I, I love that I, and that that focus uh, you know uh, we, we, we talked about this a little bit um, just recently how um, that the the genesis of some of that wealth creation has got to be focused and you got to, you can't, you can't chase everything in order to really generate that wealth, but it does change later on down the road when you're trying to protect that, that, you know, that fortune uh, that's been built. Do you agree with that?
1: Right. I mean, I think it, um, it does based on your priorities, I think. And I think it does based on, uh, you know, the amount of wealth you have allows for more, Complexity on the granular level, even though in the broad strokes you may or may not choose to have more focus than the average, you know, American. Uh, So, in other words, what I've seen is that uh, a lot of families, when they become worth 100 million or 200 million plus, they will put a percentage into fund managers and have someone in charge of doing due diligence on those investment funds. Put some of the stock market and bonds and ETFs and indexes, and whether that is 20 or 60 percent of their net worth. Uh, or whatever number is appropriate for them uh, and their risk levels and time horizon and income needs, et cetera. There's a percentage that's in that bucket. And then typically around 25% uh, goes into cash and real estate uh, debt instruments that are backed by collateral and real estate, et cetera. On average, most of our family offices put about 25% into that. And then depending on the family and what generation they are uh, and if they still have their existing original operating business in place, You know, anywhere from 10 to 20 percent to sometimes 60 to 80 percent of their net worth and investments might be in one niche industry or maybe up to three operating uh, businesses or up to two to three industries. But typically they've found an area where they have outsized relationship advantage, information advantage, distribution, uh, access, and the ability using their reputation and know-how and team to really execute well within a specific space. And so I think that that is something that these families have figured out, is that if you diversify to the extreme, especially on the direct investment side, it can have adverse effect on your returns. Even when you're worth a billion dollars, you can get spread too thin because you're not going to have an outside strategic advantage in nine different industries. And then all of the strategic fruits that come to bear from each investment, they don't really go together. You can't use what you learned on the mobile app. Business, perhaps, very much with your cannabis investment or your aerospace manufacturing investments, are just too diverse of ideas to really build a lot of leverage sometimes.
0: Uh, great point, and and uh, yeah, I, I know our listeners are not going to be surprised to hear that, but I but I think if we've got some listeners that um, are maybe new to the show, um, or maybe new to just this, this space, you know, the, the fact that. Uh, you know, many of these really super wealthy families, you know, are not getting getting wealthy off of uh, uh, you know buying shares of of, of stock or mutual funds. Um, you know, can you comment on just a little bit further on? Uh, um, I'm, and I, I guess I'm, I'm I'm leading you into uh, just because uh, I've I've been uh, a follower of yours, and I know where you're going to go with this, but um, you know how the how the wealthy. Uh, typically, are not buying shares of a stock. They like to like to buy a portion of the company. Correct. Right, right. That's correct. Um, they
1: want maximum control, transparency, and strategic influence. And so, typically, it means control. If they know the owner very well of the company and they trust it enough, they might be okay with not having control. Maybe they have some board rights or voting rights. Uh, but a lot of these families uh, do prefer control when possible. And um, an example of that is, you know, I invested in a retail business a few years ago and um, I should not have, it seemed like a good opportunity on the surface of it, but it was a retail business on the other side of the country. I knew the business, I understood it, but there was no way for me to influence the direction of the business would have been too hairy and messy and not worth it to take it over when I had the chance to buy out the person running it who was doing a poor job. And so, you know, I just divested that this week and another investment I'm looking at is one where I can add a lot of strategic value and the knowledge that we'll gain and the deal flow that we'll gain from being able to have that investment makes it very strategic. And um, I trust the jockey a lot more than the previous investment. So it's an example of, you know, I'll have additional transparency and more of a direct investment versus, you know, buying shares in a company where I don't know the management and I can't influence the direction of the company and basically giving up all control and all influence. And what I've found is that among my clients and among family offices, uh, as much as possible, they like to have that control to the extreme that some clients will only invest in operating businesses unless they have complete control, which could mean uh, 51% equity, or sometimes they just demand 100%. And they give people earnouts in case they want to stay on for three to five or seven years, but that's pretty common to hear in the single family office space and it's because of how their wealth was created in the first place mm.
0: um, it, you mentioned uh, uh, making a mistake, so you know let's uh l- l- let's let's dig into that a little bit um, so you know tell us um, i'm sure you get to see lots of Uh, mistakes that are made on the investment side. You mentioned one of them. What, what other mistakes uh, can you share that we we can learn from, you know, part of this is uh, uh, leveraging really smart people and uh, seeing what, seeing what's happening to make sure that we avoid making those same mistakes again. Can you, can you share another uh, mistake that you've seen uh, in the family office space?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think one mistake is uh, finding out the hard way. that You shouldn't give up all control of your assets after you've, uh, you know, done that, a lot of people go to private banks and then get very disenfranchised when they lose a lot of their money uh, and they've given over all of it to one group uh, that might have a lot of fees and not a lot of transparency. A more common mistake at the beginning is diversifying your direct investments too much. You invest in the cousin's idea and the brother in law's idea and friends' ideas and golf club, uh, yacht club friends' ideas, and pretty soon you have 100 different LLCs and 20 different industries. and it's hard to track things or get reporting and you find out most of it has gone to zero because it was bet on new ideas. Um, this more seasoned families typically learn to focus those direct investments, but also go to the stage where the company has climbed out of the ocean, grown some legs and shown it can survive. And in, in the real world, uh, meaning it's already producing a profit of half a million, a million a year or several million a year before an investment is made. Um, a lot of newer families make the mistake of investing in very risky real estate developments. There's some types of real estate developments and operators and developers who are excellent. But there's also some very risky real estate developments out there that promise the moon. And some uh, new investors make the mistake of going that route. And then also um, some families just get so afraid of trusting the third party and helping organize their affairs, create like a dashboard for the family uh, create structures and bring in solution providers that they just try to do too much themselves, combined with just a private banker and an insurance agent. And there's just not the, the processes, the quarterly meetings, and infrastructure to be constantly improving things and focusing their time. Those, those are some of the, the top mistakes that I see the most often.
0: Yeah, no, that's fantastic information. So, um, so uh, we you you kind of mentioned real estate. So let's ro- let's roll into that. So uh, uh, a lot of our investors love love real estate, and uh, as you mentioned, you know there's there's certain ways, and there's you know there's cycles, and there's times to do things and times to stay away. Uh, you mentioned you know some some risky speculative type of things. Uh, I'm a huge fan of value add, especially, you know, where we are in the, in, in the market cycle right now. And I, I typically, uh, try to, uh, guide our, 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 investors towards, um, uh, safe, safe investments with proof, you know, proven, uh, operators with, with, with a good track record. Um, so, you know, I like to, I like to make sure and, and I, and I want to hear, I hear it from you, um, Uh, you know, what exactly, you know, a lot of these family offices are looking for. So, you know, I know in in our case, you know, we're looking for value-add multifamily uh, uh, propositions and self-storage and senior living, uh, but we're not doing a whole lot of new development right now. Would you say that those are the same types of investments that family offices are looking for?
1: Similar. Uh, and as I'm thinking through, you know, what you've created for and, us uh, and I love what you're doing as well. And that's why, I, you know, I like keeping in touch, um, you know, and I think about it. There's a there's a jump that people go through when they're worth half a million dollars and they become worth a few million dollars. And maybe they're earning half a million a year, 300,000 a year or more. Uh, you start getting access to some more investment opportunities naturally and on purpose by, by being parts of a group like yourself. And what happens is that you grow in your level of sophistication and understanding of investment options in front of you. You understand there's more uh, direct-type investments or through sponsors you could make. It doesn't always have to be through a reach or publicly traded vehicle. But there's another jump that happens when you become a family office, or if you're worth, you know, well over five million or well over 10 or 20 million. And I think what happens is you start to see so much deal flow consistently that there's never enough time to meet with everyone. There's never enough time to read the PowerPoint pitch deck on all of it. You start really appreciating the one-pager teaser, the little teaser, so you don't waste time on a deal that you know you should be saying no to because you actually have a formal strike zone that things must hit. Otherwise, they don't get your time or your potential allocation. And the point of bringing all that up is that what I found, and when you ask what my investors are looking for, they're really looking for anomalies. You know, they're drowning in normal. They're drowning in the multifamily value-add sponsors. We track over 400 of them here within the family office club, just in the apartment building-focused sponsor niche alone. Uh, They're drowning in those guys. And so what they're looking for is a version of those guys that somehow is an anomaly, hopefully in two different ways. Like not only are they performance fee only, but the team is amazing. They've been doing this for 20 years. Or not only are they value-add multifamily, but they only do it with a laser focus in one city. They've bought 15 buildings in that city and they know it like the back of their hand and there's a great level of trust and credibility to them. And so what I'm saying is that like the more deal flow you see, the more you start thinking, okay, well, if you only see 10 deals a year, your top 10% of deals is one deal and you just say yes to that one. But if you see 200, top 10% or 20, you might only invest in six deals a year. You really have to then make them compete against each other And you're looking for the thing that's not average and not one standard deviation away from average, but really an outlier uh, and is really, you know, stand out to you in multiple ways.
0: Oh, That's fantastic. Great, great, great info. And, um, uh, you know, Richard, you probably get a lot of uh, I'm sure I know that you have a lot of really, really smart people. Uh, around you do you have uh do you have a crystal ball or do you uh do i 'm sure you are, are are a smart economic mind and uh you're you 're keeping an eye on uh global markets and interest rates and just know what 's happening and um uh you probably have a deeper understanding than than um uh, you're you're you 're in the in the in the in the top tenth of one percent i 'm sure on uh uh understanding the way that things work uh, from your your insider uh, information but what do you, what do you see uh, uh, happening in the um, in the future here i mean up until 2015
1: 16 everybody said they were very bullish and they were net buyers everybody at our conferences said that and we we host you know many a year and each one event has 25 30 investors on stage saying what they want right now and what their attitudes are on the market and then there was a real change in 2015, 16, and some people started to say they were net sellers, but they were opportunistic. And since then, uh, they have been saying they're cautiously optimistic. Has been the family office opinion, uh, with some being uh, more net sellers than others. Uh, and after the tax act went through, people got a little more bullish. But everyone knows we've been on this bull run for a long time. Everyone knows interest rates are going up. You know, most people realize that you know interest rates going up might affect your ability to sell. Apartment buildings at a a good cap rate in the future could impact that. Um, And so I think that families are looking for debt investments that provide a good income, that have great collateral behind them, or creative investments where the downside is really strongly protected, uh, or strategies where, despite a cycle bounce, they could ride it through and they know it's a solid strategy. Uh, for the long term. And that could mean investing in an operating business where, you know, you're very confident in your team's abilities to ride through a cycle. And I think families are keeping a cash level on hand to have it be a very good thing for them if the uh, prices come down.
0: Love it. Great, great information. I got some more questions we'll save for the back end for them, for our members and clients uh, is, is to, uh, to elaborate on that a little bit more. But um, so um. Richard, uh, do you have a favorite quote that you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: Um, Yeah, I had one that just uh, I was reminded of um, just yesterday, actually, and I wrote down for this, and it's, um, chaos is not a pit, it's a ladder, and the climb is all there is, and uh, I, I like that quote because I find that the more inefficient something is, then the more value there is for the person who brings efficiency to that situation, and arbitrage is the lack of ease that everyone else in the world is having trying to go down a path, whether it's trying to figure out what is a family office, do I need a family office, how do I start a family office, and that is the chaos that I try to provide a, a ladder to others for. You know, in your case, perhaps it is uh, helping the you know business owners and the uh, high net worth uh, affluent medical practitioners and business owners in the medical field figure out how do they get great deal flow, how do they leverage each other in a mastermind situation the, to invest wisely and to come up with unique structures and opportunities that would be very hard to find or take forever to find a time investment-wise on their own. And I think that is where opportunity always lies. And that's why business owners always see so much opportunity because you're always finding more sub-niches of inefficiency once you do well within one area.
0: Very nice. So, and who is that quote attributed to? Did you say that? Um, say?
1: Well, actually, this is this comes from the, a great philosopher whose name I don't know, but it, it was on uh, Game of Thrones is where I actually stole the quote from okay. uh, the TV show. So, uh, so I'm joking that it came from some great philosopher. I don't know if they stole it from someone who's actually more credible and would make me look like a more uh, <laughs> uh, knowledgeable individual. But that's where I took it from. <laughs> yeah, well, it's
0: uh, uh very true, very true and that 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 volatility and that chaos does uh definitely generate um a lot of opportunity if you can uh if you can harness that. So, very good. And what about a book? You got a book? Sure. I know you uh, like a that bunch of books, but uh if you had to if you had to if if you had to share one with our listeners to uh to go out and read.
1: Sure, sure. Well, I mean, uh, the one that I I've really enjoyed is the ABC model by Dan Solden, cause it's just a quick read and in 30 minutes you can get a concept that could change everything in your business. And it's really about that unique ability concept that um, I've taken from him as, as, as my coach. And I think it can be applied at the family office level to a high net worth investor, to a business owner, to a real estate developer. So the ABC model by Dan Solden is the one I'd recommend.
0: Excellent. Um, last question here. What does freedom mean to you, Richard Wilson? Uh,
1: Freedom means to me, uh, and I guess uh, I would define success almost the exact same way, as uh, being able to choose the activities I'm spending my time on and being able to, you know, for me, having everything integrated uh, and having the highest sense of integrity between my personal life, my business life, who's on my team, what our company stands for, how we treat people, what we say to people, uh, and all the different aspects being integrated And enjoying that process is how I define the freedom. And for me, that means as part of that definition that, you know, if we don't enjoy working with someone, then we just simply don't. And uh, we don't need to work with them because we're desperate for any piece of business we can possibly get. It's not a natural fit. We just move on and we try to just attract the clients and the types of individuals that are good, you know, members uh, within the family office club.
0: Yeah, well said. Well said. Um, Well, Richard, don't go anywhere. We're going to roll over into our members only our private uh, section of the of of the podcast. But um, uh, you've been a fantastic guest, a lot of information there, a lot of value. I hope if you're listening, I hope you were taking notes there. Um, Thank you for listening to the high speed podcast, Richard, I'll give you the uh, any any last thoughts you want to leave our listeners with?
1: Um, No, I just I think that uh, one thing I didn't get across, I guess, is that uh, the longer term you plan and set things up to be successful longer term, then the more that that tends to unfold for you. And I think anyone looking to work with family offices would be very well served by just trying to do everything with the long term in mind. I think people are looking for credible partners at the end of the day more than just about anything else.
0: Yeah. Well, it, uh, my, my people have heard me say this lots of time, but it, it, it truly is about the relationship and about the people. It's not necessarily about the deal. It's really about the people that you're, mm-hmm. that you're doing business with. And I, I think you, uh, uh, ag- agree with me on that. And it's that, that longevity, correct? For sure. Well, thank you for being on Richard. Thanks for listening to the high speed podcast. And, uh, we look forward to seeing you guys soon. Hi, this is Dr. Forrest Bryant, and I want to thank you for listening to the High Speed Podcast. Uh, We want to remind you that the information we share on this show is impersonal and only our opinion. You should not take impersonal advice and apply it to your own situation without discussing this information with us or with another licensed professional uh, that's familiar with your situation. Um, Our opinions are just that, and this show is for education only. Uh, This is in no way a solicitation or offer to sell any securities or other types of investments. So thank you and uh, have a great day. You've been listening to the High Speed Podcast. To read our blog and to learn more, visit our website at www.highspeedpodcast.com.